1: Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the OutKick Network. Glad you're with us, either streaming live or listening live. That could be with this great radio partner or live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter,
2: OutKick.com and much more. Just search out OutKick and we hope you'll subscribe or follow while you're there. If you're listening live on a radio network, you heard that great drop of Andre Benjamin from Outcast from Colin Warner earlier. After I got done talking about, I had no idea. It. Great, great fun by him. Uh, well, three thousand okay. or, or Benjamin. <laughs> I don't think three thousand was on the birth certificate. That's not his. That's not his I given family to, name. Yeah, Andre three thousand. Uh, uh, but doesn't Andre Benjamin also sound like a stage name? It fits him. Yeah. I need to look that up now. Maybe that's like his middle name. Maybe I referenced King Pil a lot, but
1: that was a that was a great out, outcast uh, parody. I think they meet back up at a coffee shop or something. Search that out after we, uh, subscribing to the channel. Hunt
2: and I once watched uh, Big Boy from OutKast at a Super Bowl party uh, perform very late. Not as late as Lil side, Wayne.
1: Side note, Big Boy played uh, the, the post-game... He was he had a post-game concert.
2: This is Big Boy B-O-I yeah. for those not familiar with OutKast. Uh, the the show I'm referencing
1: uh, much worse than the one that uh, Chad and I attended at a Super Bowl. But um, he was scheduled to play uh, post-game... Uh, Division one, like Sun Belts, kickoff to try to get uh, students to show up. Butts and seats. I was going to all the games anyway, but it did put butts and seats. And then a thunderstorm hit. A lightning hit, and like song four, and like as soon as the lightning was even close to in range, like ten miles, the, the rule is probably eight miles out, ten miles out. He's off the stage. Uh, the show is over. And he had, I believe, eighty grand guaranteed just to show. So they're back
2: on the bus and back on tour. Good night, Murfreesboro. After four songs, right? Part as of my tuition went hits. to that. I love that story so much. I love the, the in New Orleans the concert we watched. He would rap his part, and they just had a track playing yeah. Andre Benjamin's part. This is after they broke up, uh, but I I loved it. It was still great. A lot of hits. Chad, is it is it too obvious here?
1: that Jim Harbaugh is going to be a head coach in the NFL next fall, uh, maybe as soon as this coming January. Maybe that's easier to say. Um, After two years of either getting a raise or returning to what is a stacked Michigan Wolverines team uh, this upcoming season and facing what we expect to be harsher penalties than whatever was trying to be negotiated over a four-game span uh, for what the NCAA is investigating... Is it too easy to link Harbaugh for real this upcoming offseason to the National Football League in his return to the pros rather than staying yet again after flirting with NFL ownership and general managers and they're doing the same thing, mirroring his, his idea of returning? Um, you think it's too simple to just say, yeah, he's, he's going to return next year? It, we certainly don't know the openings yet. We can certainly speculate that. But he didn't land in Denver when many thought he would. Uh, Others thought he would be in the league uh, two years ago. Some thought he would be the next coach of the Colts. That did not happen. I think he's back in the NFL next year based on what he's going to face. Just like his defensive coordinator is now with the Ravens instead of with Michigan now because he was going to have a show cause headed his way.
2: Remember when Pete Carroll... Surprisingly, left USC for well, the NFL. Yeah, what was the timing of that? The Seattle Seahawks just happened to coincide with the huge NCAA investigation into impermissible benefits to Reggie Bush and others that you know cost them scholarships and put them on probation. But he shockingly left for a job in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. This Harbaugh situation is the one that we've all figured out now. This would not be shocking at all. No. Because, and Michigan fans hate it when I say this, and I'm hearing from a bunch of them on this, if the, if the NCAA did not accept their four-game compromise for a suspension, and now they're going to be defiant about it and let him coach every game this year, I'm telling you, a full-season suspension would be on the table for the NCAA. And Harbaugh's not going to play that game. He's just not. He's not going to entertain the NCAA and their investigators. not going to happen. So, yeah, I, I think one of two things will happen. I think he's going to get hammered with a season-long suspension or he's going to go to the NFL. What's the most likely of the two? The Pete Carroll move. Go to the NFL before sanctions hit you or your program because Jim Harbaugh is in a little bit of trouble right now at Michigan uh, given some of the things that went on. And, no, it's not you know earth-shattering stuff. It rarely is in college sports. But with the NCAA – when you commit the violations and you don't cooperate and you're seen as someone that is in the, in the way of them getting the truth, then you're going to face the consequences. The NCAA is nothing if not petty. They have been throughout. When you lie to them or they think that you're not respecting them, they go hard. And I think they're going to do the same with Jim Harbaugh.
1: And he believes he's got 20 NFL players on his roster currently that will either be drafted or sign free agent contracts after the draft next April. Chad, uh, free agents galore from the Pac-12 that's now a Pac-4. Brett Yormark compared to Klavkov and uh, in, in what George Klavkov is, was trying to do or trying to keep going uh, with the Pac-4 now instead of 12 and really 10. Um, on the flip side of things, based on the way the Big 12 reacted to Texas and Oklahoma departing for the SEC, Yormark has done a great job of building stability for what was a conference that we all thought would end up and be the first version of what just happened to the Pac-12 out West. Your Mark joined the Sports Business Journal podcast and had this to say with some insight behind the scenes of conversations that were going on between the Big 12 and Pac-12 commissioners.
0: What I have learned here during expansion, and I still do have a little bit of a knot in my stomach, I never want my gain to be someone else's loss. Uh, it's it's it, that's a little different here, and I on the heels of not Colorado but of all four corner schools coming, I texted George, reached out to him. Obviously, he was busy. He and I spoke last week, and effectively, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry." It came down to this, and I'm sorry I put you in a tough position, but. This was something that, you know, we 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 had to do, and you know, this was something that the board and our key stakeholders um, encouraged. And um, I'm sorry that my gain is your loss. And we had a very collegial conversation. George was fantastic, and I'll be seeing him again in a couple of weeks at some industry meetings. Um, I'm not one to hide, and and again, I, I've been very intentional um, about expansion. And I, and I did that in an effort to make sure that I didn't do it. I didn't do, you know, expansion didn't happen in someone's shadow. It didn't happen at night. It wasn't a shock and awe moment. Everyone knew the Big 12 had an appetite to expand. And I'm um, I, 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 maybe some people in the industry didn't like that, that I was so intentional about it. But I'm very transparent. In fact, I telegraphed it um and i just felt that was the right way to do it versus other things that i w- witnessed and, and 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 observed in our industry over time where transparency really wasn't really the, you know what happened i felt i had to do it a little differently and that's really about my personality and how i do things generally speaking
1: your mark gets it right even in the the post assessment of what went down And, Chad, the Big 12 commissioner, here's what struck me on his comments. The Big 12 commissioner had more empathy for the Pac-12 than a year ago with USC and UCLA. Or the Big 12 commissioner had more empathy than what Texas and Oklahoma (coughs) gave the conference when they left for the SEC. Didn't want to do it, but had to do it based on the landscape of college sports, specifically football, and where we're headed in the near future compared to where we sit now and where we were a year ago or three years ago, totally changed. And while, and and he also comes across as believable with this
2: and he works for the presidents and chancellors. Yeah. It's a very likable interview. Just hearing him talk about it. It's also very unlikable of George Klievkoff in this whole thing. If I am a PAC 12 fan and I am mourning the death of my conference and I hear Brett Yormark talk about how great Klievkoff was on the phone when he's calling to basically apologize for destroying his conference. Yeah. To him, I'm thinking, great, awesome. I'm I, I would you. like a little fight back on him. Like, hey, man, you know, you've destroyed this proud conference and my career. You know, go to hell, something. Instead, you know, he was really great and gracious to me, and he understood that, you know, I just had to take what was his And make it mine. He was very understanding of. I'm like, good lord. He called up the commissioner and said, "Hey, I'm not Stanford, Cal, or Washington State. I'm like, I'm I'm glad that he was cordial. It's like,
1: hey, I'm not the fastest gazelle, but I'm also not the slowest. Sorry, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah. How about some teeth, right? If you're Klebkov, how about a little fight back, like, dude? I am going to spend my life trying to wreck you and your conference. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I may not win this thing, but I will hurt you at some point th- for doing this to us. But for your mark, very likable. And he's right. He was very vocal in talking about the desire to expand. and This is te- not something secret done in the shadow of the night. Yeah. He was very forthcoming about what he wanted to do, and he did it. The teeth
1: aspect, though, comes from the TV contracts and the media deal, which your mark has and which the Pac-12 didn't. They couldn't agree on it. You know, that, that's where you can bow up a bit. And if you don't have it, you know the presidents and chancellors in the Pac-12 are going to leave and bolt. It's like, well, hey, uh, Oregon and Washington are about to leave for the Big Ten. They just opened up talks again. We're coming in for the taking as well. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are going to lean our way now, based on your recent presentation. And that's—I think—that's also part of this. He didn't do; he, they didn't finalize this until the final attempt that Friday morning to keep those three schools. And specifically the five Oregon and Washington too, the last ditch effort to keep those three uh, five programs in the in the conference compared to just signing on and, and announcing that they were headed elsewhere doormark didn't say didn't announce it earlier than that, and it came as the big Ten was also doing their bidding. I wonder if Petiti did the same thing if he picked up the phone and called
2: no. I don't think that's how the Big Ten and the SEC operate. David no. in the YouTube chat says, classy of your mark, definitely not a move Greg Sankey would have used with Bowlesby when he took Oklahoma and Texas. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I also think it's kind of ruthless to pick up the phone and call the guy and tell him that you're ending their conference. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's nice that he did, was upfront about it, but he's also... Calling him to tell him, hey, sorry, man, that I just had to take what was left of your conference. It's like an but election we gotta, where you we call to congratulate like the winner, but it was reversed. Yeah, but it's not even a congratulations. It's I a uh, yeah. condolences. Yeah, reversed, though. Yeah. I ended you. I won. <laughs> you should have listened to me when I tried to merge two years ago, or we did, with your conference. And now yes. I, I've got them. Look, I think some things are best left unsaid. So I, I get what David in the YouTube chat is saying, but... Is it classy or is it kind of rubbing it in while apologizing about ruining their conference? And if you are Bill Bowlesby at this point in the Big 12, do you want to hear from Greg Sankey? Hey, man, bummer about you losing your two best brands. They had to come with me to the SEC. Talk soon. See you at the next retreat of ADs or whatever. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to hear from the person. Well,
1: the response is the most interesting Oh, he could have been more gracious. And
2: oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'll be. I f- love the transparency. I'm sure Klevkov said, hey, heart. Brett, I'll be fine. All right? Conference is over, but me, I'll be fine. I've got a lot of that, uh, what was it, MGM? Yes. That he's with MGM money's rolling in. They paid me well. I'm going to negotiate a sweet little buyout. I'm going to be just fine. Don't you worry about. Yeah, your mark's like, uh, don't that's Don't you cool, worry but about ending this 108-year conference the way you had to do Nation's it. Nation's coming for you. All's fair in business. You know, it's <laughs> fine. I'll be all right, though. Don't you worry about me. Uh, Chad, uh, these uh, international
1: world superstar soccer players are going to be just fine, with the Saudi money or not. But Neymar has now signed on to join the the Saudi Soccer League. Uh, A $326 million contract is what he's agreed to. Of course, this is after uh, Messi and Mbappe said no and decided to either stay where they were or head to a, a different league, in Messi's case, MLS, which has been massively, uh, a massive success for MLS and his team. Uh, but a part of this deal is what's interesting. Uh, $326 million, That's massive. A private jet to use whenever he wants. At his leisure, he gets a private jet. He has a mansion with personal staff that's totally paid for. $87,000 for every win with his club. And he gets five. $546,000 per Saudi social media post. So he gets paid $550,000 per uh, any social post that promotes Saudi Arabia as part of this contract.
2: Is there a limit on that? Or can he just do it as many times as he wants?
1: Based on the money that was thrown around, I'm assuming you get where I'm going here. he can do it anytime he wants. You could schedule one every 60 seconds or whatever. There's, I mean, uh, un- I mean that's un- it, unbelievable. That's basically what Mbappe was scheduled to make per day is what they're giving him per tweet.
2: I'd like to know what the Saudi post is also. I mean, I need to follow him on social media to see what they look like. But what is he, is it like a tourism board thing? Anything that promotes Saudi, which could be
1: soccer related. Well, I promotes mean, the league or promotes the it, government? The, the way the front office sports you see what this I'm saying is though, like any it's media very broad. post that promotes Saudi is the way it's worded. You can spin that how There's multiple ways to do that.
2: Yeah. I I want to see how many he puts out there. <laughs> Are we talking another five Billy of social media posts, or is it like you can do four a week or five a week, and then we'll pay you for that? I wonder if the negotiation
1: was like, we'll give you 400000 per Per post, he's like, no, 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 no. Five hundred thousand, and need,
2: I get to post as much as I want.
1: And a private jet and a mansion with staff. A staff. I a love that staff. he
2: negotiated a full staff.
1: and He gets eighty-seven thousand dollars per win, bonus. Five hundred and fifty thousand per tweet or social post. It's good to be good at soccer. Yeah, it's good to be John McLean too. NFL headlines next with him on Hotline. Show flying by today. Hope your workday is as well. If you're watching or listening, we say thank you to that. Hot mic with Honey Withrow rolls on here across the Outkick Network with John McClain. Time to talk all things NFL as camps and preseason games are well underway. John with Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Uh, has covered the league for five decades. John, good to see you as always.
4: Thank you, guys. All my columns and my podcast can be found on Sportsradio610.com, where there is no paywall.
1: Free, free, free. Hey, free, free, uh, free. Dalvin Cook, not free, but served up to the Jets to sign him. And he's not coming uh, off of a, a season where we didn't expect uh, a, a steep decline. In fact, he's been very steady over the last four seasons, John. He is coming off of sh- shoulder surgery. But here he is landing with the Jets on the same day Ezekiel Elliott is with the Patriots. What do you make of Cook to New York where it doesn't seem or appear the Jets have had a bad day since the offseason began and Aaron Rodgers was interested?
4: I'm always suspect when a team gives up when a player is supposed to be one of its best. And if they wanted to find a way to keep Dalvin Cook, they could have. And uh, I, I was reminded this morning, if I'm Josh Jacobs, and I see these deals that Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott have gotten from the Jets and the Patriots. I'm signing that $10.1 million tender and reporting tomorrow because that's a lot of money. I love it. You can tell when agents uh, leak stories because it always says they can make up to. Well, I kept looking. OK, what are they going to make? Finally, I found it. $7 million base salary. But when it says up to, and that's the most money a bat can get, I'm thinking that came straight from the agent trying to paint as pretty a picture as possible to what's really become an ugly situation in the NFL. I thought Cook would go to Miami. The Dolphins could have used him. He's from Miami, played at Florida State, but good for the Jets. They uh, took Brees Hall, their outstanding rookie last season, off the physically unable to perform list today. So they've got three running backs, and I think that's good, counting Carter. And that gives them depth. And, uh, boy, you know Aaron Rodgers will like to have a good running game to take some of that pressure he's going to get because everybody is going to be fired up to play the Jets and Aaron Rodgers.
1: What do you make of that division? Is it like the AFC West from a uh – Two years ago, last year, is it too much hype, or is it perfect based on the star talent, the quarterbacks, and expectation?
4: I saw a respected football guy tweet that uh, the addition of Zeke Elliott shows the uh, Patriots are contender to win the division. And I'm like, geez, even if I thought that, I would never say it. They're clearly the last place team going into the season. Could be Bill Belichick's last season. He's definitely on the hot seat, according to the longtime followers in the media uh, who have chronicled every Super Bowl the Patriots have been in. And so uh, he's got to win. He brought in Bill O'Brien. They act like Bill is some savior. Bill did a great job coaching Deshaun Watson, but Watson was a tremendous talent now he takes over Mac Jones. If you look at the quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers are definitely better. Tua to Tonga Bailoa, when he was healthy last year, he had the best downfield passing game in the league. They were a Super Bowl contender. I think if Tua stays healthy, and that's a big if because you guys cover the SEC and you know he's never been fully healthy for a full season, that the Dolphins are just as good as the other two teams. When it comes to competing for a Super Bowl, it looks like the Patriots are going to be last. And I can't remember the last time when I thought that.
2: John, what would you make of C.J. Stroud's debut uh, with the Texans and the decision to put him behind the backup offensive line in that game that led to some the, some pretty shaky play?
4: It didn't, uh, they they weren't going to play Laramie Tunsell, their best player, left tackle, their right tackle. Uh, Titus Howard's out with a broken hand, maybe ready for the first game. We don't know their third tackles. I'm physically unable to perform, might not be ready when the season starts. So it wasn't the interior guys so much. They didn't start right guard Shaq Mason and their centers, a rookie who took over for a player done for the season. And the left guard who started Kenyon green had a mediocre to poor rookie year. So I personally think it's good when rookie quarterbacks like C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis have adversity because it doesn't need to be like college where it's all wine and roses. They need to know what it's like to have a pass rush, come after him. Stroud took a 15-yard sack, should have thrown it down, uh, thrown it away, but he had no prayer because the guys just blew past the offensive lineman And, uh, Then he threw an interception when he locked on a receiver, and the plan all along was to play him two series, and now he'll play more. They got two joint practices against Miami the next two days. So uh, it would have been great for the media and the fans. Stroud had taken him straight down the field for a touchdown, but that would not have helped his his maturation as an NFL quarterback.
1: Do they look much better than at this time last year on the field, John? Just – Visual, like, Does it strike you as, oh, this is a, a – they've transformed a bit in the offseason, the Texans.
4: They transformed a lot with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. The biggest change last year, they had the worst offensive coaching I've seen on this team. And they're all gone, and they brought in Bobby Slowick. who have been with Kyle Shanahan nine years, with D'Amico Ryan six. Yeah, you know, He's putting in the Shanahan-Kubiak offense, and it takes time. You know, they're still missing pieces. They can need another offseason. They got picks in the first, second and third rounds and they got, they'll have some cap money. They need another one before we can start even daring to use the P word uh, when it comes to Texans after four years of being bad. But people are fired up because uh, D'Amico has brought a new energy. You know, he was a great defensive coach for the 49ers, doesn't have that talent. And their first their first order of business will be to try to improve against the run. I have a column on sportsradio610.com about that, how they've just been pathetic for four years after being number two in the league. And coaches come and go, players come and go. And D'Amico thinks with coaching and with attitude, you can you can take a big chunk out of that 170 yards a game average. Now, they had starters out, Patriots had starters out. And they gave up 2.2 yards of carry the Patriots to the last series when New England brought in rookie quarterback Malik Cunningham, and he just ran. And uh, as it was, they still only gave up 74 yards rushing. So to me, that was the most positive thing for this franchise because in December, they're going to see Derrick Henry twice, and uh, they haven't been able to stop uh, Derrick since probably his second or third year in the league.
1: John, I, I try not to overreact to – preseason games because starters are barely playing. We do see the rookies quite a bit. Bryce Young uh, and the decision to trade up and, and draft him number one in Carolina and his stature. You, know, and you mentioned Tua, if he can stay healthy. Bryce Young's stature behind the offensive line for Carolina that did not look good in their, their debut with him in a, a full go practice. What do you make of that? And Are are we watching kind of the same thing play out because of his size and the disadvantage that he has behind what looks to be a shaky offensive line, at least from first glance?
4: I've talked to two former general managers who are in the media now about Young and Stroud and Richardson and Levis, and when it comes to to Young, you say you're going to hold your breath every time he goes on the field because he's he looks frail, but he's smart. He's, he's instinctive. He's got awareness, pocket presence. He'll be able to get, a, get out of a lot of negativity. But you worry about that big hit. You worry about the wear and tear on him over the course of a full season. And they got to spend a lot of money, and whether it's draft choices or free agent, next offseason to improve the line significantly. Texans thought they had. My goodness, the Texans have addressed the offensive line for years change coaches four years in a row. That lack of instability is just pathetic doing a disservice to the players, but you keep doing it till you get it right. Especially when you're going to invest heavily in a player quarterback.
1: It's a strong offensive line in Dallas and it didn't get much uh, of of the national sports talk attention, but I think an important move was Zach Martin uh, who was disgruntled with his contract, uh, eight time all pro eight time pro bowler. And the decision to go ahead and get it done, even though Jerry was like, hey, we're, we're saving our money. We've got to make sure that Micah Parsons is going to get the extension. We, we're spending our money elsewhere. Two years, $36 million for an essential ex- piece of that offensive front. Instead of, John, letting this play out towards the start of the season, like so many organizations will do when a player's sitting out and, and waiting.
4: When you are on a, a veteran contract, meaning not your rookie contract, the fines that you incur have to be paid back. You cannot let them go. Like Nick Bosa in San Francisco, he's on his rookie contract. And so when the time comes that he reports, they'll say, okay, forget about it. They can't do that with Martin. So Martin lost a lot of money, and that was designed in the CBA to keep veterans from holding out. He would have reported. He would have been unhappy. He's been a good soldier and a great player. And so Jerry Jones did right by him.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think he ends up with this year eight million in new money, and he'll have to pay back a million in fines or something. I don't, I can't. It, it's around that number. But you're right; it does you, add up, and there is incentive to get into camp.
4: I'll tell you guys something. Like thinking about Zach Martin, there was a time when guards were an afterthought. You took centers, made them guards. You took guards, made them centers. Only people thought about were the tackles because the edge rushers coming after the quarterback. And Zach Martin, as you mentioned, eight-time pro bowler, will he do more for the Cowboys this season than Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley uh, could do for their teams? And, the course, it's no. A running back's going to attribute a hell of a lot more than a guard. But you know, the problem is nobody had come up with uh, analytics to say, you can plug in guards from the fourth round on down. You're crazy to pay guards. Here's the evidence. Till that happens, backs are still going to take a back seat to players like guards and centers.
1: John McClain with us. He certainly knows sports cinema, sports film. Uh, having the man has lived it. Uh, John's cameo, uh, absolutely. What do you What do you make of the Blind Side allegedly being a lie, according to Michael Orr in a, a court document? that he and his attorney filed yesterday here in the state of Tennessee uh, saying he didn't find out that he wasn't legally adopted until this past February.
4: Michael Lewis wrote that book. It was a tremendous book. He did Friday night lights as well. He lived it. And a friend of mine, John Lee Hancock, who's a director called me up and he said, do you are you familiar with the book, the blind side? I said, yes, haven't read it, read about it. He said, I've just signed to direct it. And he said, it's a great story. He said, I think we're going to make a great movie. And they did. And they made a lot of money. Sandra Bullock was best actress playing Leanne Toohey. So um, I I was stunned by this. You know, Sean Toohey, the husband who sold his company for $213 million, you would have thought, you know, the attorneys came to him and said, hey, you need to give Michael some money. And he's, no, I'm not giving him. He could have. Now he claims in an interview today with the Memphis, I think it was the Memphis Commercial Appeal, that uh, they it's didn't get the anything. To like, is that it? Yeah, yeah for twenty-five thousand dollars for each family member, including Michael. So that those contracts would be easy to look up when they were signed. But he admitted in this interview they didn't they didn't legally adopt Michael Orr. And I know when Orr came to the combine. The book was out. They were talking about the movie, and we asked him about it. He didn't want to talk about it. He just said there's a lot of things that are out there that are not true. And I hate that it's come to this. And if he got shafted, I hope he gets everything that he deserves.
2: John, there is a headline right now, TMZ, a tweet I just saw, that said there is a movement to get Sandra Bullock to return her Oscar for Best Actress. Because the movie was a fraud, which I'm thinking that's an even better acting job by her. If uh, Leanne <laughs> Tui was really a fraud, and she made her so likable, uh, that's it more warranted for her act, or her uh, Oscar nod.
4: Cadillac. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> so dumb. Jeez, so give dumb. Me a break. She, must she it. went
4: with what the script said, which came from the book, which they took some license. And you don't have to have a real story. They make, they make take license with every story. Yeah. And so I just, whoever comes up with some far-fetched stupidity like that ought to be ostracized.
0: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Hot Mike rolls on. Coming up uh, in about 40 minutes, Christian Hackenberg will join us, former Penn State quarterback. Can't wait to get his reaction to where Penn State Currently sits in the AP Top 25 preseason poll number seven overall. Hot mic with Hunt and Withrow here. And, Chad, no question that Georgia sits atop.
2: Oh, no question. Not unanimous. Three-peat. Going for the three-peat.
1: Uh, Reese Davis was one of two media members to put Michigan number one uh, and vote them number one preseason. Michigan currently number two behind the Bulldogs as Georgia goes for the three-peat. Michigan and Ohio State back-to-back, two and three. They're going to sit there for a while because we went through their schedules earlier this week. Alabama at four. That's intriguing based on the quarterback situation. Yeah,
2: Ohio State at Notre Dame on October 23rd. Michigan against Penn State on November 11th are probably the two earliest chances for those teams. Anything could happen, but what looks like legit chances on paper to drop one. Yeah, and I wonder LSU at five
1: reminds me that Ohio State has Penn State and Wisconsin back to back. LSU at five can Wisconsin with Luke Fickle be this year's version of LSU last year that surprise some teams and get better faster than what we thought. LSU at five, uh, SC at six, followed by Penn State. Caleb Williams. Got the, uh, the Trojans in the top ten. Florida State at eight. Clemson and Washington route out the top ten. Any surprises there to you? I'm a bit surprised where Alabama sits, quite frankly. That, uh, too high or too low? Uh, I'm saying too high based on
2: the quarterback. I, I, I think they are so rock solid everywhere else I don't I'm, that the assumption is whoever they play is going to have such a good surrounding cast, they're going to be okay. That, that doesn't surprise me. But, I'll give you a couple.
1: Let me let me just step in on Bama real quick. Okay. You and I have been in attendance with some recent scares. They haven't lost, but Bryce Young has played excellent. LSU comes to mind two two years ago. Night game in Tuscaloosa. LSU had no business being in that game. It's 10-9 or something in the fourth quarter. Do they have that guy that can drive down and get a field goal or drive and, and have a uh, the luxury of having the leader at quarterback that can just extend a drive and time of possession and run out the clock. I, that will come into play for a team that isn't used to w- losing two games in what would be considered a retooling, rebuilding year, as Saban would put it. I, uh, the perception of Bama this year is built on what you're saying. They're solid everywhere else. Uh, for me, that's not quite good enough because of the quarterbacks uh, ahead of them and just behind them, guys like Caleb Williams and others.
2: So, look, uh, I'm with you on that. A, a few big takeaways. One, boy, that first weekend game between LSU and Florida State. Yeah. Holy cow. Eight versus five on Sunday in its own window of time, Labor Day weekend, to watch that, that is going to get monster ratings. And it was a crazy game a year ago, if you remember, down in the, the Superdome or whatever they call the stadium now in New Orleans. Um, that'll be great. Texas is a little high for my liking, that Um I think Tennessee's right around where I expected them to be. I I thought Texas was going to be more of a close to 20 uh, high teens type team. Number 11 surprises me. Michael Penix Jr. is terrific for Washington. That's why they're there at 10. They had a great first year uh, with their head coach, Kalen DeBoer, in their system, and he's perfect for that system. I I like that one. I think TCU – Might surprise me a little bit at 17 because they lost so much off that team a year ago. This is more of a statement of they're here to stay. I think with all the losses they had from last year's team that made it all the way to the national championship game, a little bit surprising. I think Ole Miss and A&M at 22 and 23 jumped out to me, Hutton, uh, uh, initially. I think Ole Miss might be a little bit overrated. I agree. Um, I I was surprised they were ranked ahead of A&M. Quite frankly, I was surprised they were in the top 25. I think this is more of a... You know, team probably ranked in the 30s or 40s nationally, but they're all the way up at number 22. That shows a lot of respect for, uh, for Lane Kiffin and a lot of respect for Drake May for North Carolina at 21 because that's the only reason they're, they're there at 21.
1: So how LSU starts at number five, the preseason best for them since 2016 uh, in this poll. Bama is the lowest it's been in more than a decade, and they sit at four. This is the lowest they've been preseason ranked in more than 10 years. So maybe they are putting uh, respect with everything else and saying, hey, we're going to rank you a spot lower than usual because of the quarterback situation. They're going to play two quarterbacks. I, I, I don't know. I think it's just I, I'm, I'm saying that because we're not hearing of a clear leader period there. That's a huge storyline for the very top shelf of college football.
2: I've also seen a lot of video of uh, Nick Saban post-practice with media availability, yeah. and he is so super relaxed and joking around that the rest of college football should be very nervous about whatever he has at quarterback and whatever he knows that no one okay. else knows. I-, I would be very nervous Point taken about, uh, about Saban and, uh, and Alabama.
1: Uh, of course, next year, I'm just looking at the teams on the move next year, uh, OU you got Oklahoma move to the SEC. They're ranked 20th. Um, you know, looking around a bit uh, of other teams on the move, anything stand out to
2: you? Well, Oklahoma was terrible in Brent Venable's first year. Oregon at 15. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State at 18. Yeah. They're, they're conference-less right now moving forward, unless the Pac-4 and a new stadium is able to merge. Yeah. Um, Kansas was the feel-good story of a year ago. Right? With a, with a great start to their season, not, not in the top 25. But Oregon State is there. Tulane right back in the top 25 is really cool to see uh, with Willie Fritz. So it's going to be a fun season. I, I can't wait. But the first thing that jumps out is opening weekend, Sunday night, exclusive window, LSU-Florida State. Terrific opening week matchup.
1: The average AP preseason ranking for the national champion is – the top 25 getting more successful to voters at preseason rankings. Uh, most recently, the average ranking for the champ has been ranked three
2: or higher. Is it that predictable this year? Well, you know not. what is predictable? Uh, who's dominating the, the AP top 25? It's the SEC and Big Ten. With six teams in the SEC, five in the Big Ten. You Look know what's the- not predictable for most people? The Pac-12 is far and away the third best conference in college football this year. I don't think it's close. I think it's SEC and Big Ten, slight drop off Pac-12, and then a big drop off to the Big 12 and ACC this year. Yet it is the Pac-12 that is no more after this year. So, hey, last half full approach. At least your final year as a league is going to be glorious. Could be. Could be a fireworks-type season for the the Pac-12. And Caleb Williams trying to win uh, back-to-back Heisman Trophies, first player since Archie Griffin in 72 and 73 at uh, Ohio State and, to do and it.
1: different styles, but certainly uh, big offense out west. Good defense, too, with, with Utah, for instance. Yeah. Um, Chad, we're coming up in about 10 minutes, we've got a look at what could be on the horizon, not from a 64-team perspective, as Chip Kelly threw out there, but uh, 32. You're going to have some divisions and uh, breaking up what could be the college NFL for college football.
2: Honey, you see this notepad right here? You see a lot of erasing that took place <laughs> on I do. this. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I let, let me before we get into it coming up here in about 10 minutes. Let me put this out there because I put this on Twitter, and Tim Brando and others have come back at me saying, "What? Well, why are you feeding into this?" College football season's right around the corner. Let's talk about this college football season. Well, we just did that with the AP poll. I, I want to preface this by saying this is not my what I want. If Chad Withrow was the commissioner of college football, I would try to find ways to keep it the way it has been while also embracing what's to come in the future of NIL and Transfer Portal and everything else, but maintaining rivalries and establishing mm-hmm. that. This exercise is an exercise in greed. You know who else is exercising greed? Everyone in college football that makes big decisions right now. They're making every decision based solely on money. Solely on money. I'm not talking about money as the ultimate driver and top of the list. Money is the list. So I did what is going to happen if they continue to make money the only list. And that is to replicate the NFL, the most successful pro sports Uh, franchise, not franchise, league in America. They're going to replicate it. So I have the NFL of college football, 32 teams, four divisions of eight teams each, and this is it. We'll get into it a little bit later. But I, I, I want people to understand, I'm not advocating for this. I am simply a truth teller that's showing you what the future will look like if the greedy people at the top of college sports continue to make all the decisions, because there's not any decisions being made right now with the welfare of all student athletes at mind, it's about football. Football's the driver. Football can be played by coastal. It's not as big of an issue to travel across the country for one sporting contest a week, and it's making the most money. And ADs, college presidents, Conference commissioners, they're letting football drive everything and the money involved with media deals and media rights in football. They base every decision based on that. I'm basing my group of 32 based mostly on that with a little personal preference mixed in. And So Vanderbilt's in? Not in. <laughs> I'm a fan of geography, okay. and geography plays a part in this also. It, oh good. There's a couple of teams on there that people are going to say, What? And they're going to advocate – for others,
1: <laughs> And I'm, I'm going to tell you
2: about, about geography okay. also with it. A geography lesson.
1: I, yeah. I, I love it. I can't wait for that. It's coming up in a, in a few minutes. Um, Can we of- talk
2: more, by the way, about how people are trying to get Sandy Bullock to turn oh, over that. her Oscar? I saw that headline, and I almost visibly on the show, Hutton, just hit my mic with my head when I first read it, that there is a group on Twitter, an activist group, calling for Sandra Bullock to hand over her Best Actress Oscar for portraying Leanne Toohey in The Blind Side because Michael Orr has filed uh, a grievance in court with the Toohey family. Just crazy. And I'll say what I said yesterday. I think the truth in all this is somewhere in the middle. I don't think the Tooheys are completely, you know, not corrupt in every way. And I also don't think that Michael Orr... And I I believe Sean Jr., when he says, "I, I went back and looked at text in 2020 and 2021... Yeah. Where he was complaining about the conservatorship. So that statement about, I knew about this in 2023, found is out false. for the first
1: time. And, but also, the, uh, more of what Tui said was uh, Michael Orr is alleged to have sent texts in 2020 or 2021 and said, uh, Pay me this amount and it won't go public. Right? So yeah. he's at least acknowledging something in regards to that. Maybe he's acknowledging something else and not this paperwork. Who knows? But the whole story is crazy. And, and, you know, adding to it is the. Is Sandra Bullock going to even have to acknowledge this? Can you imagine? Uh, that headline from one of these. Uh, uh, I from, think um, that
2: she's got a. Uh, she doesn't have to, but I think she'll release some sort, of, some sort of statement at some point. After learning about this, the best after actress... After learning about this, you is know. <laughs> we got to find out who she beat. I need to find out who we're going to hand the Oscar to from that year. This was 2009. That's right. The yeah. movie came out. Yeah. Um,
1: it's uh, I, w- is, is it like what? Was Hutton, that, let's let's do this. I'm, I'm gonna Avatar? look it up. You were going through the movies yesterday for the same league or same year. Um, if it is, can you imagine if they have to turn it over? This is like Reggie Bush giving having to uh, turn over the Heisman and. Everyone wanted to hand it to Vince Young, and Vince was like, "No, it's actually Reggie's Heisman," even though the NCAA is trying. I mean, to how was when I look at I looked it, the up Heisman Trust.
2: Who did Sandra Bullock beat for the Oscar? And the first thing that pops up is a, a group Facebook page. Do you want any other evidence that uh, Meta and Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are running the world? Yeah. Well, why? How would that be the first thing that pops up on Google? It's just someone's Facebook. page. Here it is.
1: Uh, so it's Meryl Streep. It's actually the 2010 yeah, awards. Yeah, that's
2: what I was. It's yeah. Helen
1: Mirren. I don't know who finished second.
2: What movies were they in? Uh, Julia
1: and Julia. That was Meryl, Meryl Streep. Yeah, Julia Child. The last station for Helen Mirren. I haven't seen uh, it. Carrie Mulligan in An Education. Okay. Uh,
2: Missed Natalie, that one also. Natalie
1: Portman in Black Swan.
2: Natalie Portman in Black Swan. That's. I've seen that. It that's was an the excellent, excellent performance. Natalie Portman, congratulations. Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone. I did not watch Winter's Bone. I've watched. Mm, much Nicole Kidman and Rabbit other Hole. Jennifer Lawrence projects, but have
1: not seen that one. Ten different actresses nominated for Best Actress in 2010. Coming up, Congrats, Natalie we find out who Chad would nominate for the College Football NFL. Next.